Between the Banners, Mega May Lineup Palooza Edition. Before we get going here, grab your phone or listening device. Open the podcast app on which you're literally listening to this podcast. You have no excuse. The podcast app is active if you hear me saying these words right now. Great. Go ahead and click subscribe. Leave us a five-star review at your next opportunity. I'll read it on the air. Y'all are slacking on that. Perhaps this episode will be the one that gets y'all over the hump to leaving us a review. Joining me are two esteemed guests. First, editor Brandon Anderson, at THB Brandon on Twitter. Brandon, what's the good word? It is Monday, and I've survived the first day of the week. So, so far, so good. I just saw some inspirational quote about Mondays. Um cannot recite it here, but it would have made me feel better about it if I had seen it at 6 a.m. and not here at 9 p.m. Um, <laughs> Also joining me from Boston, Massachusetts, a man who, as a Hurricanes fan, is probably sticking out like a sore thumb right now. Al B. Hood on Twitter. Al Hood, how are you, sir? Go Canes. Um, the uh, dodging, dodging hick talk on sports radio left and right. I feel like you should call in and set the record straight. That's what they want you to do, Chad. That's the thing. That's what they want you to do. You don't want to feed the beast, I guess. And the beast is just that ugly Mark Wahlberg accented just grossness that, uh, in which you reside. Mm hmm. That, that, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You couldn't put it better myself. Say chowder. Say it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. That is going to be one of those. There's podcasts. always a Simpsons quote. There is always a Simpsons quote. <laughs> In every walk of life, there is a Simpsons quote. <laughs> they either they either have the appropriate quote or they just call the future. There's there's no there's no doubting them at this point. <laughs> Their word is gospel, and oh man, um, I need them to predict a few more UNC basketball championships because that is the topic at hand tonight. Um, if y'all are looking for some breakdowns of individual recent commitments, uh, go back in our queue a few episodes. There's good stuff with, uh, there's one with Quentin Schwab, there's one with Joe Carpenter, and there's one with Jake Lawrence on some of the newest Tar Heels. But, uh, what we're going to do is do a little bit of a deeper dive than Quentin and I did, uh, two episodes ago on Between the Banners, uh, I want to say 20, maybe. Um, I'm not looking at my notes right now. But uh, first and foremost, gentlemen, can we agree for the sake of brevity and not to denigrate their talents that Jeremiah Francis, Brandon Huffman, and Andrew Playtech are not major factors in the rotation for the 2019-2020 season? Uh, Al, you got anything on these guys or any arguments to the contrary? Uh, I second your motion that uh, if they're playing a pri primary part of our season, our season has gone horribly. Um. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and stand for Behuff. Uh, if we're going to go back to two bigs, I think he could just, uh, be five fouls, 12 minutes and Joel James with a little bit more, uh, Duncan block skill. Um, Brandon, you got anything here? The only one that kind of intrigues me is Jeremiah Francis, but the problem is he hasn't played basketball in like a meaningful competition is so long that I really have to see it before I can really buy into that type of thing. So I think that's about right. I don't think any of those three should be having any kind of like substantial role this year. 
Yeah, and I think Francis could have slotted in as the backup point guard if he had been able to play basketball in the past two years. But, I mean, the fact is he's been on the shelf with, was it, injuries to each knee over the past two years? I mean, just really tough to get the conditioning back and, you know, gain confidence that, I mean, you can walk and chew gum at the first time or at the same time to start with, but then to also uh, play basketball on the ACC level would be a tough ask of him. So, I'm on the record thinking that he's going to redshirt. Um, you know, Playtech, there have been rumors that he might not be in Chapel Hill. Uh, to him, I say, Andrew, it's not going to get much better than, you know, being a small piece of the blue steel to uh, scholarship player bridge. Uh, you should soak that in for the next two years and enjoy the fruits of that labor. Um and Playtech does, you know, I mean, he's the one that would probably most merit a spot in the rotation just based on past experience, but uh, he's been passed over by a lot of guys, and we're going to get to that in a second. But, um, you know, just as we are kind of running through this, uh, the next thing I wanted to do was just talk about the obvious starters. Uh, Brandon, who are your guys who are obviously going to be in the starting five November 10th against Notre Dame and then whenever the last game is? Barring injury. So I think I'm going to hold on to what I wrote about a few, I don't remember, two, three weeks ago. It, it's been a long month. So Cole Anthony, no-brainer point guard. I have Christian Keeling starting at the shooting guard position. I have Brandon Robinson starting at the three, but honestly – it could be leaky. I'm just not sure yet. That spot is weird. It, it's, I'm not a hundred percent about that spot, even a little bit. And then I have Garrison Brooks at power forward and I have Armando, am I saying that right? Armando Baycott. Well, you had to say it first, but yeah, I think Baycott is the uh, generally accepted uh, pronunciation there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I agree with you wholeheartedly on Anthony and, uh, Brooks. And then I'm coming around to the idea that Christian Keeling is definitely going to be the two just because they're going to need that offensive firepower. Um, the other spots are a little bit more interesting to me and really the rotation builds out of what you get out of the five and the three. Uh, Al, what, what do you have? Um, I mean, it's really tough to, um, disagree with any of that. I think the ones that are locked into place are Cole, Brooks, and Baycott. Um it the pretty much it's been understood that ever since um he signed that it was Roy wanting to be able to go back to his preferred style of the inside outside play. Um and Cole is going to be a good guard, a good point guard for that type of, uh, is going to be a good point guard. He'll, uh, it'll collapse the inside a lot more, give him a little more space to operate to where he can choose to either pass or, or take. So it's really the two and the three that is going to be up for, um, the question marks. You know, before we signed the, uh, before we signed, um, Harris and, um, Keeling, you know, you felt like the Brandon Robinson was pretty much a shoe in to be, to grab a starting spot too, just because of his senior leadership. The one thing that this particular stock, this particular lineup has, does not have is any seniors, which is 
a rarity for a Carolina lineup at this point. Um, but, you know, Brandon makes a really good point that with, um, with these signings with who now who we have coming in, you know, it is possible that, um, Roy might look at trying at the idea of Robinson trying to go from about 13 minutes a game to 20 to 25 minutes a game is just something he couldn't do. And he may still come off the bench. Yeah. yeah and I think the most interesting, um, place to start there is y'all both have Baycott, uh, in at the five and, I think that's the ideal scenario for Carolina. If Baycott can come in, um, he is a pretty deft scorer around the rim. Um, you know, I'm not going to compare him to Sean May, you know, from his sophomore or junior seasons, but maybe like a freshman Sean May with a little bit better conditioning, maybe not quite as much basketball skill. Um, if he can come in and wrestle the starting job away from Sterling Manley or whatever wing, uh, Carolina would play small with for what would be the third year in a row, I think that is absolutely huge. And um Al, I kind of wanted to keep it with you because you did write the post on some of the rules changes. If they're moving the uh, three-point line back, that benefits a two-big style just uh, from a spacing perspective. So, you know, I guess the two questions that I would have would be, one, why Baycott over Manley? Um, you know, obviously Manley had kind of a lost sophomore year there, and, you know, the writing is somewhat on the wall just from that perspective. But two, you know, what do the rules changes uh, possibly entail for UNC getting back to Roy Williams' uh, preferred style of play? So a couple of things here. One with, uh, as you mentioned, um, Sterling Bigster is great. Uh, is a great kid. He has just been hampered by injuries both before he came to Carolina and um, now that he's come to Carolina. Um, he was having some issues with that, with, from recovering from that his freshman year. And we all know how much trouble he had with it last year. You add that to the fact that big men typically do not develop at the same rate that your guards and your wings do. Um, and then add to the fact that you've got Baycott who can come in with someone like Garrison Brooks on the four. Um, so you're going to have an experienced four playing beside him, it's going to limit what they ask Baycott to do, which should help his learning curve go up immensely. He's going to have a lot of natural talent to bring to the floor that Manley just hasn't been able to tap into yet. Now, I could be, you know, practice could surprise me once everything gets going. Summer uh, could bring Manley to be a lot healthier, and Roy decides to put the Twin Towers out there. But I really think that um, even if he doesn't start, Baycott's going to be getting at least 20 a game. Um, and as far as the rule changes are concerned, it's actually a combo, not just of the change they did make, but not the change they didn't make. So um, one of the recommendations from the Blue Ribbon Commission was to not only lengthen the three-point line, but they also wanted to widen the lane to the NBA distance. Why is that important? We all know the three-second call. Narrower lane means that that's closer to the basket that your inside guys can stay. So what you're creating is this hybrid style with an international three-point distance that's going back a decent distance, about almost a foot and a half from what it is now. Um, college shooters are going to have time to adjust to that in-game, in-the-game setting. But you still have the same space download that you've always had in college. Like I don't think I think that the lane has been the same length since the '60s at this point. So the inside folks are not going to have to do any sort of adjustment to 
their game because it's the same rules that they've been practicing with, but the wings and everybody outside have to adjust and move their game out. So now because the three-point line is further out, if you're playing, if you are, say, a 25 to 30% three-point shooter under the old rules, well, maybe now you really don't want to try that three-point shot and your incentive is to get the ball inside more. So who does that favor? Well, look at this. We've got a team in North Carolina that has perfectly set it up to where they've got two twin towers coming in to play inside-out basketball. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I think the ideal situation, like I said earlier, is that, you know, Baycott comes in and takes starter minutes at the five. I think he will be foul prone early on. Um, Manley can take those backup minutes, but then obviously Carolina's going to have to play some small ball. Uh, Brooks, we penciled him in here as the four. Um, he's obviously played more of the five as a back to the basket and just garbage guy for the past two years. If Carolina is going small, I think that's the first place where we see Justin Pierce uh, picking up major minutes. Uh, at six foot seven, averaged nine rebounds a game last year. Um, Brandon, I mean, first of all, Pierce is a name we have not mentioned yet on tonight's podcast. Do you think there's an outside chance if uh, Baycott and Manley both disappoint that Pierce becomes the starter at the four? And then secondly, you know, if not that, when Carolina does go small, can you see this kind of being the closing lineup with uh, Pierce and Brooks on the front line? So Pierce is an interesting one because I don't, I haven't been able to get a full read on him in terms of what I kind of expect. I think out of the transfers, he's definitely the one that I think he might take a little bit to kind of get acclimated to what Roy Williams is trying to do. Um, it could be that they look at Pierce, but also, this may be where we see a little bit of Huffman early on. I wouldn't doubt if it switches to Pierce later. So if you get Baycott and uh, Manley that end up getting into foul trouble, you know, it may be this thing where we start seeing Huffman a little bit and then, you know, we'll see Pierce kind of poking his head in and out of the lineup. But I don't know. I could be completely wrong about that too. I think it's one of those things where once practice starts for the guys, we'll kind of get a better feel for what to expect. Just, you know, what kind of intel we're able to get out of the practices. But right now I feel like Pierce is a little bit of a wild card. I think that might answer your small ball question a little bit too. I don't really know what to – I don't know what the small ball lineup would really look like right now. And the what, big reason that that's a little tricky is because of Leaky. Like his size and what he – like his skill set in general, I feel like you could probably plug him into the four, honestly, and you have another person that can move the ball because really if you have – Cole Anthony, Christian Keeling, Brandon Robinson, I almost said Huffman, Robinson, <laughs> and then <laughs> Leakey, you have four people that can move the ball really well, and then you have Brooks down low that can play really good defense, and maybe that's a lineup you look at. The only problem is Robinson and Leakey are also two players that 
we haven't seen significant scoring production yet, but what we do know is that they're efficient. So will that efficiency from this past season translate into a bigger kind of role going forward? And I don't know, but I feel like early in the season, during the preseason, it's the best time to find out what exactly you have there. And I think you raise a really good point. First of all, just with it being six months away from opening night against Notre Dame, we don't really know a damn thing right now. But obviously, you know, this is a podcast. What we do is speculate. I'm higher on Justin Pierce than it sounds like you are. This is a guy who played major minutes for, I mean, it's a Division One program. And uh, when Quentin and I talked about his commitment, I think he and I were a little bit more on the same page where, you know, college basketball is college basketball to an extent. And he's not going to be a guy averaging 14, 9, and 4 like he did last year for William & Mary. But he's a guy that just fits so many places and very similar to Leakey, which I think he raised a good point. Um, Pierce just has the physical maturity a little bit more to where he could bang down low if they did, if somebody tried to run a high post, uh, with a, with an opposing four or something like that. Um, and my other thing with Leakey is if he's going to be the backup point guard, which so far it sounds like we're leaning towards. It's kind of hard to ask a guy to be a point guard and a four at the same time. And, you know, I, I don't know if that's putting too much on his plate, but on the next great Carolina team, I feel like he's going to be one of the starting wings. Um, another guy who, you know, kind of factors into the periphery of the rotation. Um, another guy coming off of in- injury, uh, true freshman Anthony Harris. Um, I about said Cole Anthony Harris. Um, so Brandon, you're not the only one kind of messing with names here. Um, Harris yeah, imagine how fun it was. Imagine how fun it was typing the newcomers article when you had Cole Anthony and Anthony Harris. Oh well, God! <laughs> I mean, do you call that the Bash Brothers? Then can we can we coin that trademark <laughs> uh, trademark Tar Heel Blog Podcast between the banners? Um, so the uh, lesser of the acclaimed Bash Brothers is uh, coming off of an ACL injury of his own. Um, I don't really see him just coming in and manning the backup point guard duties just because he was more of a wing on team team takeover with Armando Baycott and some of the other guys that Carolina missed on. I see him kind of uh, coming in and just filling in spot minutes very similar to how Leakey did last year, if anything. Um, Al, where are you right now on Anthony Harris? I I mean, kind of like I said about Leakey, I do believe that Harris and Leakey are going to be focal points of the next true national title contender of which I don't believe this team is at this point, but uh, yeah, I mean, go for it with Anthony Harris here. No, you bring up a great point. I mean, Roy's strongest teams are players like Anthony Harris. You find, you find highly rated guys that for whatever reason have a, um, have been forgotten about or have for, have been kind of passed over. Big programs want them, but at the same time, the big programs they're trying to get the one and dones focus more on those than they do on the type of Anthony Harris's. Um, the injury is the big thing with him because he probably would have been, he probably would have gotten that fifth star had it not been for the injury. The trajectory he had, uh, coming up through high school, he was turning a lot of heads, 
um, until, until the injury and he just couldn't work during his senior season. Um, and that's going to be huge because he's going to not only be trying to acclimate to Carolina basketball and the system, um, he's going to be doing it with a bunch of guys that are playing in their last year at Carolina or their only year at Carolina um, and trying to do it while getting his legs back under him for playing competitive basketball. So if there is a group of the newcomers that might, see his would be likely to see his minutes get reduced as the season goes on Harris definitely looks like he's going to be the prime candidate for that um but the problem with it is too is trying to figure out you know with all of this this is the most question filled lineup Carolina's had in a while going into a season and for all we know just like we talked about with the bigs if Han- if Harris has a quicker recovery and starts showing a lot of stuff in practice, he could easily snatch that two guard spot. It is it is a wide open competition, um, and even if he doesn't take starter, if if he acclimates well, um, and if he especially if he manages to uh, adapt to the deeper three point line, he could see some significant minutes too. Yeah, I think that's a. Uh, I mean. All points fair there. And Harris, you know, kind of reminds me of the type of guy that is 6'2 and ends up at Virginia Tech a la um, the guy who got injured this year whose name uh, escapes me or, you know, pretty much any of those guards that comes in to Chapel Hill and lights up Carolina for 27 yeah. points. Um, well, um, he was ticketed for Virginia Tech until Buzz Williams left. And, yeah. you know, that same, that same type of move is what got us Kenny Williams. And, um, you know, it's the same thing. It's he, someone who found the Buzz Williams style of basketball appealing, I think is someone that will work well for Roy Williams's, uh, Roy Williams' style as well. Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. I mean, you know, the, I think unlike Kenny, who had more of a reputation coming in as kind of a pure shooter, um, Harris comes in with that defensive mentality and he's going to develop his offensive game as he goes along. Um, Brandon, do you have any, uh, any, any words on Mr. Harris here? I think I'll hit everything right on the head. The one thing that I am looking forward to seeing when it comes to Anthony Harris is what Roy Williams kind of focused on when he signed him was he kept talking about how tough and competitive he was. And I think Tal's point, it's very, it's, it's so similar to Kenny that it's weird. Like he might not even do all that much this year, but who also didn't do much their freshman year, Kenny Williams. He hit his first three in the ACC tournament, if I remember correctly. That sounds about right. Yeah. And so I see him long-term kind of being that person that you turn to, to, you know, get down and dirty, hold, lock down people on defense, just cause havoc and hopefully can knock down shots. And I mean, that's basically what Kenny was. The only difference is we knew that Kenny was a shooter. It was just a matter of when he was going to become that shooter. I can't say that I know that of Anthony Harris right now, but I say that even if you get that aspect of Kenny, that aggression aspect of Kenny, then Roy got himself a winner. So, yeah, it makes you a tougher team, and 
you know, like, like I said, it's the type of guy that Roy Williams does end up building a team around. He, he reminds me more of Joel Berry in, in that regard, just where he is hyper-competitive, um, kind of an in-your-face. And, um, you know, from what I saw of him on tape, you know, just as his confidence grew, he became a little bit more of a vocal leader. So I, that, that'll be interesting to track over the next few years. But um, if we're going to talk about the next few years right quick, what I would say is with Cole Anthony – being a one and done, I mean, God forbid he's not. With Harris kind of playing rotation minutes, Leakey kind of playing rotation minutes, uh, Brooks getting starters minutes, but showing that he can play the four or the five, you're not really scaring away any elite talent for the next year, but that's another podcast for another day. It's a very long summer. Um, let's talk about where it gets really interesting here, and that is the log jam at the two and the three. We got Christian Keeling. We've got Brandon Robinson. Uh, Harris to a point. We've got Leaky Black. We've got Justin Pierce. Um, two of these guys are, I mean, I, I think it's pretty safe to say, barring a complete setback from, uh, Baycott and Manley, that two of these guys are going to start. Two of them are going to come off the bench. Um, I'll fire off my take cannon right quick. If Christian Keeling and Brandon Robinson can secure those positions, it makes the team so much more versatile because then Justin Pierce, can basically come in and sub anywhere from the two through four and leaky black at the one through the four. And that basically gives you a seven man rotation that everybody can play multiple positions really besides Cole Anthony and uh, whichever five you're going with. Um, Brandon, I'll just uh, kick it right back to you. You you had uh, Keeling and Robinson starting on the wings. I'm just going to let you back that up right quick. So Keeling was just, a great shooter um, at his previous institution of Charleston Southern. Uh, I went through his numbers and I kept looking for some type of hole because whenever you're playing for a team like Charleston Southern, they tend to play some of the bigger power five teams. And you're just like, all right, they had to have had a drop off during this game, drop off during this game, drop off during this game. I found no such thing. I think they play, Louisville at one point, maybe I could be wrong. I'll stick with what I know because I don't want to guess and just be completely off base. But I do know. I'm going to Google and uh, pick it up for you here. Appreciate it. But one thing I do know is they played Clemson and he went five for six from three. And I mean, given that, and I think that was just this past season and Clemson hasn't been a slouch lately. I mean, they they haven't been the best team in the league, but they definitely have been competitive. I think there's something to be said about that, and I think there's something to be said just with the role that he had at Charleston Southern in general. I think it's going to be very hard to pry that job from his hands just because of what he's able to do offensively. Uh, one thing that I focused on when I was writing my lineups article was just kind of how you take heat off of Cole Anthony. I think Keeling is built to do that because what Cole Anthony does, he kind of has this mixed bag of tools that doesn't necessarily focus on the perimeter, which given what we saw from Kobe, I think what's going to be important there is having somebody that can take that heat off of you from the perimeter so that when Keeling gets locked down, then all of a sudden you can look to Anthony and maybe he gets better looks or vice versa. 
Brandon Robinson at the three just kind of makes the most sense to me because of a few reasons. There's the senior experience that we've talked about. There's a national championship experience that is there. But also, I just feel like that he did so much in this past postseason that it's really hard to leave him out. I think he just showed so much promise, so much promise, so much promise, and he's going to be the one person on the floor aside from Garrison Brooks. I think it would be fair to argue that he's probably at this stage too, but he's that guy that can be like, no, like this is how it's supposed to go. This is how it's supposed to go. This is how it's supposed to go. And he's a pretty outspoken dude. So I don't think we're going to run into the same situation that we kind of ran into last year where some of those more experienced people were kind of the more reserved. So I, I think all in all, like those two kind of being in those spots just kind of fits nicely. Yeah. I think I, I would wish uh, Brandon Robinson was an inch or two taller to kind of play that three, but just to uh, back you up here on Christian Keeling, Charleston Southern at Clemson, they lose by 27. Um, Keeling takes 14 shots, makes nine of them, five of six from three, 25 points. Um, not really out of the rhythm of the offense. They have a guy named Dontrell Schuler, who is a complete volume sh- shooter. He was six of 13 in that game. Charleston Southern at Marquette, they lose by 21. Christian Keeling, eight of 13, 18 points, uh, 0 for 1 from three. So you can see his game's not completely perimeter oriented. Um, he was the primary shooter in that game, but, uh, they had one, two, three, four, five guys who took at least seven shots. So he's not just dominating the ball. Um, against Florida, he was a little bit more ball dominant. Five of 17 from the floor, two of seven from three, 18 points. But, you know, I mean, it's Florida and he's clearly the focal point of the offense. So I think with him not being the focal point, he could really surprise some people. And I've kind of bought into the fact that he's going to be the starting two guard. Um, Al, where are you on the wings here? Uh, do you have a scalding leaky black take? Or did his uh, injury against Georgia Tech last year kind of slow his progress to where he's going to be more of a rotation guy this year? Yeah, you kind of led me into my answer there on that. Um, Sorry you know, about just, that. that was uh, not no, 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 that's okay. It's it's it makes this nice and compact in a lot of ways. Um, to finish, to it, it's actually a combination of things with Leaky too, because it's not just the fact that um, his injury kind of slowed him down, but you need an experienced backup point guard, and Leakey was going to have that job before he got hurt. By all indications, he had pretty much taken that over for seventh, and that's the reason why, probably the biggest reason why seventh transferred was because he knew with Leakey coming back, Leakey was going to be the primary, going to be seen as the primary um, backup. So it's just going to be tough to see him getting a start at the two when Roy kind of envisions him both coming back from injury and trying to at least come back to play, um, try to, fo- try to focus on playing five to 10 minutes a game at the backup. Um, and then when you look at, you know, just to echo one more time, what you guys said on Keeling, if you go back to Jake's article, when um, Keeling was announced, he went back and looked at every game that Keeling had played against uh, power opponents. So this was, uh, in over his three years, this was Marquette, Clemson, Florida, two games against Florida State, Virginia Tech, Georgia, and Alabama. He, during those games, he averaged 18.1 points and 5.1 rebounds a game. 
Um, and he only scored uh, fewer than 16 points once, which was against Alabama in his sixth collegiate game. So the dude has shown up against the strength of the strongest parts of uh, their schedules. Um, that, I suspect, is why, why Roy targeted him. And I don't – you've got to think that someone who was used to being a primary point scorer in um, his previous – his previous incarnation um, is not going to have any problem having to create points when there's someone like Cole Anthony playing beside him. Um, it's just tough to see. It's just tough to see him um, not starting at this point. Um, could there be adjustment issues? Possibly. Uh, but, you know, I do think that his, he's going to be coming into an experience into a situation where he's going to do well because unlike Cole's one and done, who's you do at least have to worry on some level. He, whether he's thinking about NBA, um, feeling is just looking to try to get fit into the team to get the most experience he can. And to some extent, try to win for the first time in his career. Um, and then briefly with, uh, with B Rob, you know, you mentioned the height difference. Um, where that scares me, it kind of was on full display when he had to step up and take over Cam Johnson's role in Virginia yep. uh, against Virginia. Um, you know, Virginia essentially one of the reasons why Cam's injury was so big was that Brandon had to step into that role and he can shoot, but they were able to eat him alive on defense. And some of that is because he was just the, just those couple of inches shorter than Cam and Virginia was able to take advantage. So if there's going to be any liability for him at the three, it's going to be that. Well, and a lot of that too. I mean, he he was playing against DeAndre Hunter, who's a four in every way, shape, and form, and a future lottery pick. And you know, I'm I'm not going to denigrate uh, Robinson's efforts because he is, you know, really what I would call just a three and D guy. And I think with having Anthony being able to attack off the dribble, having Keeling be pretty versatile on the offensive end. If he can be a 3 and D guy, he could just be a spot-up shooter and provide serious value for UNC at the 3. So I think y'all are talking me into Brandon Robinson. I almost said Brandon Anderson that time, Brandon Anderson. Um, <laughs> I'm going in, coach. <laughs> um, if we got Brandon Anderson starting at the 3, we might have problems. Uh, no offense, Brandon. I've never played basketball with you. But um, with, with, with Robinson at the 3, you know, you have a guy who's been in the program for four years. Um if he and Brooks can take over the leadership roles and maybe usher in the Baycott and uh, Anthony, well, in the case of Anthony, as short as it's going to be eras, you know, things could bode well. So um, just real briefly, uh, Brandon, how do you kind of see the bench stacking up? I mean, obviously you're probably, you're going to have, based on the iteration we've come up with here, uh, Leaky Black and Justin Pierce, as I said, you know, two guys who are very versatile and can fill a lot of roles. Um, Who's your eighth man, I guess? And then who's going to see their minutes cut once we get to ACC play? Well, the eighth man's going to be me. I'm just going to go in there. I'm going to play hard. And no, I'm just kidding. Just, just for anybody listening, I'm actually 5'10, so there's no way in hell that I'd even be a good point guard. Um, you're also like 27 years old, so I wish. If I, can, I mean, I'm glad you believe that because, man, I got to hold on to my youth. 
Um, <laughs> um, it's on a podcast, man. so it's, uh, so it's true. It's true. It's true. So man, eighth man. See, that's tough because I think that's when you get into the, this team is just one that's just, um, there's a lot of moving pieces. So it's kind of hard to figure out who exactly that might be. Uh, I mean, it's gotta be big in some way, shape or form because that you, you can get I would away with, think. you can get away with having, you know, a starting five and then Brooks coming in as kind of the primary backup five, but somebody else has got to get some minutes there. So, I mean, probably right. Sterling Manley is the eighth guy. Probably Manley. Yeah. Um, also, it just occurred to me, does Roy fiddle around with moving Huffman to the four? Like, God, no. just. <laughs> Dude, I've, I've, I've got, and th- this is something, I mean, we're, we, we try to remain positive here. I've got serious questions about, uh, about Garrison Brooks at the four. Um, we, we, can I mean, get that's into that. his natural position. It's his natural position in 2005. I don't know if it's his natural position in, uh, the modern era of college basketball. Yeah, um, I, yeah. I still think the biggest miss in this recruiting cycle was Jeremiah Robinson Earl, who's going to be playing at Villanova. Um, you know, a six, eight guy who can stretch the floor a little bit, but, um, right. You know, that, that's neither here nor there. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking about, you know, when, when somebody like NC State's going to run out four guys, six, five and under, uh, Brooks with his documented foul issues, uh, chasing those guys around, um, even through his senior year, Bryce Johnson had trouble with that and was developed a reputation for picking up kind of cheap fouls. And that is the biggest worry for me with uh, Garrison Brooks going forward. So I've got questions there, but um, <laughs> we, we might, we might be forced to play that way. So Brooks right. is going to be, um, you know, he, he's obviously going to be a key cog this coming year. Yeah, for sure. But no, I think you're, I think you're, Kind of within the ballpark. Uh, I, I would think it would have to be Manly now that you mention it because really it's one of those who else is it going to be type things because early on Baycott's going to, you know, he'll do his best, but what we have historically seen from UNC Big starting off in their careers is they get very foul prone. And so, well, it's a mix of usually foul prone and conditioning usually isn't quite there yet. So I'm hoping that Manly will. And one of the things about that too, and I didn't mention it when I said that I figured Baycott would start. I still think Manly's going to also kind of keep that fight for the starting spot close. If he is actually healthy this year, and he's actually in shape, I think it's going to be a lot more interesting than maybe some people will expect. And so with that said, hopefully what we'll see is that Baycott will give some solid contributions while he's in, and then Manley will be able to go in there and, you know, kind of pick up from where he left off during his good run his freshman year. That's my hope, and so I guess that's kind of my prediction also for the eighth man. Spot. Fair enough. 
And and I will say, I mean, while y'all have talked me into Christian Keeling and Brandon Robinson on the wings, I'm not convinced that uh, Manley's not going to be the starting uh, center on opening night just because he does have that experience. And, you know, even given his injury history and his inconsistency, you know, he is a guy who's been there and he and Brooks will have, I mean, they've, they've had their moments where they do some interior passing to each other, where they have uh, looked good on the court together. So I, I think Roy Williams will try to give that a shot. Um, Al, if we've got seven men uh, in the rotation and, Either man, well, I guess uh, per your lineup, uh, Manley is also not part of it. Um, is Manley your eighth man? Is Anthony Harris a guy who takes over the leaky black role from this past year and provides some valuable minutes uh, early on? Yeah, I mean, the, there's definitely the ability for him to get those minutes that way. Um, you know, you can very easily envision a nine-man rotation um going on here and you could also envision with now having Baycott there uh Bray being able to kind of go back to doing what he was what we saw best in 2017 you don't have the same experience that you did in 17 but you've got three big guys for two spots and you can rotate the guys around especially with Brooks's flexibility of playing the five in his natural position of four that gives you the ability to kind of rotate Baycott and Manling around I, I just am pessimistic about Manley being able to take the start simply because of his injury history. He just, even when he was getting the minutes at the five his freshman year over, um, Brooks, he wasn't playing more than 10 minutes. He, he really wasn't playing more than 10 minutes a game at that spot. It wasn't, okay, let's put Manley in for Brooks and we'll run the same number. No, that's when we went to the death lineup and we just played all small ball. Um, and back in uh, the season before, so one of the big men will be one of will be a rotational guy off the bench, and it may be one of those things where he has someone like Manley or Baycott starts, but they only play about fifteen minutes a game, and the other one plays about fifteen minutes a game, and starter is essentially just name only. Um, but Harrison is versatility of possibly playing the two, being a combo guard. Maybe he breaks out and gets some time at point. Um, at the very least being able to bring the ball up. Um, if you want to go super small and bring him out for a three, um, if he shows a propensity to really dig in defense early, um, you know, maybe, uh, if you're going up against a team with real small ball, he comes out and gets to see some minutes there. So the potential is absolutely there for, for, uh, him to get that, um, to get that. But if things don't catch on quickly, you could also see his minutes turning into what Kenny Williams's were his freshman year and get down to almost be non-existent. And again, you know, we've said it a couple of times, but that's not really a problem. He is coming off of injury. He is more of a developmental guy, and I think he's going to be a developmental guy that really uh, makes us proud by his junior or senior seasons. But, um, you know, he, he is very interesting to me, and you know, to that extent, I mean, maybe we do see a little bit of a Jeremiah Francis sighting uh, once he does get a few months of practice under his belt and, you know, just kind of is more of a steadying influence for four or five minutes a game. Um, because, I mean, you know, his recruiting profile basically says Big Ten point guard, and what that sounds like to me is just slow down the game, uh, can jump the ball inside, and if Carolina's going to go with two bigs, that – Kind of plays well into what uh, Francis's uh, skill set as we know it, and we don't know much about it at this point. Um, 
that sounds like something that he could manage. Uh, for me, I think Al, you hit it on the head with, um, the Baycott Manley discussion. You know, just depending on who's feeling it that night, I can see one of them getting 15 minutes, the other getting eight to 10, and then Brooks taking over at the five for 12 to 15 minutes a game, uh, fouls notwithstanding and, uh, bringing Pearson at the four, Leakey at the three and running a rangy and athletic lineup that can attack the basket from, uh, multiple angles and, Guys, I don't really know. It, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. We got six more months to speculate about it. So I, I don't really know what else we've uh, got to say about it right now. Um, Mr. Anderson, what do you have to plug for the site this week? Uh, obviously you are editing our work. You're making my words look good. Um, when I actually write words as opposed to speaking them, you can't make these sound any better. So apologies on that. Um, <laughs> what do you have coming to the site this week? This week is the NBA Draft Combine, so I will be covering that. Also, if tomorrow night, if anybody listening happens to get the sense that they somebody off in the distance is crying tears of bitter sadness, it is because I probably watched the NBA Draft Lottery and the Chicago Bulls somehow did not get the number one or the number two overall pick. So just be aware of that. But yeah, no. Um, I'll be covering the combine. I don't know exactly what type of coverage I will be providing, but I will do my best to provide the best coverage possible. And by the by, kind of on the topic, ESPN just released their draft, uh, mock draft and Kobe White is projected to go eighth. So just a last little nugget to throw in there. I like it. Um, unfortunately, none of that falls in uh, Hornets range, so maybe Nasir Little can get down there, but with Miles Bridges and uh, whatever's left of Michael Kidd Gilchrist on the roster, maybe not. Um, I'm not going to cry for you if the Bulls miss out again because they will find some way to ruin it because it is after the Michael Jordan era, and I don't believe the Bulls can be a winner in modern basketball. Yeah, I blame <laughs> that on Michael Reinsdorf and everything below that. It, it's he did not pay enough attention to his father. I'll just leave it at that. That's fair. That is fair. And um, Al, I know you're on the pro sports beat with uh, the Hurricanes. We've got game three coming up. and I know you've got a little bit to write about that. I do. Um, throughout the playoffs, uh, the Hurricanes have had uh, – Folks, uh, sound the warning siren before the team skates out onto the ice. Uh, They've made some bad choices as, so far. They, they have, they have absolutely made some bad choices and noticeably absent were any notable Carolina, uh, UNC grads. Um, that will change, uh, Tuesday night. And, uh, if you haven't seen the tweet, you will find out who the Hurricanes have tabbed, and uh, I absolutely love the choice. Puck don't lie. Puck don't lie. <laughs> uh, but I have um, that, and of course I put, the uh, uh, as we referenced, there's also the article. Um, the new rules in the NCAA aren't technically, haven't technically passed, but they're as good as passed. Uh, they'll be official in June. Um, if you want more detail on um, what the NCAA is going to pass uh, in a couple of weeks. Uh, that article posted on Monday. Yeah, good stuff there. Um, 
as we speak right now, that's got 16 comments, so we can dive into that a little bit later, um, see what some of our esteemed commenters have, have to say about uh, some of the rules changes and how that might affect uh, next basketball season. Um, as for me, I should be back. Um, I think I promised about two weeks ago a podcast breaking down UNC's uh, 2019 uh, NFL players who are going mostly to free agent camp. Uh, Cole Holcomb was drafted by the Redskins in the fifth round, and I wrote a or I, I helped with a piece uh, for the Washington Redskins uh, SB Nation site on that. That is uh, on TarHillBlog.com. Nice little cross post there. Um, but I should be back with Akil to talk about that. Um, Joe Carpenter and I have to argue about what the most important football game on the schedule is. So stay locked for that later this week. Um, until next time though, go ahead and subscribe. Like I said, leave us a five star review. If you leave words in that review, we will read it on air at the top of the next program when we see it. But other than that, go heels. <laughs>